if you're not managing your own platform and your own content and taking pride in that, there's not much that we can do for you. And I think also sometimes they, an influencer might think they don't have to do anything. So we ask, you know, if there's a brand that you want to work with, send them a DM and get an initial contact so that I can reach out and give a warm introduction to get the conversation rolling. So there is definitely an element of teamwork and working together. And if you're not interested in doing that and you just kind of want to like step back, you're probably not going to get a lot of work because we, it's just, it's a very symbiotic relationship. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Poolside Podcast. This is episode 128 and I'm your host as always, Rachel Anthony. I am excited for this episode that I have for you today. It answers a lot of questions that I get in my DMs about being an influencer. So today I have Raquel on the podcast and she is the co-founder of Carte Blanche, which is an agency focused on brand and influencer marketing. In this episode, we dive into the world of influencer marketing and talent management. Raquel shares her journey that led her to co-found Carte Blanche, and we talk about the misconceptions of influencer marketing and also what managers do for influencers. We talk about what her day-to-day looks like, her emails, what she does as a manager, and for example, what she does for me. She shares what they, as a company, look for in an influencer before they work together and why follower numbers don't matter as much as people think. We talk about rates, negotiating, and her advice for people who want to level up their influencer game. This was a really great conversation. I've been working with Raquel for almost two years now. And like I mentioned in the interview, I never thought I needed a manager. I thought you needed like 100,000 followers and I just didn't really understand what the value would be to have someone like Raquel working for me. Um, But in the last two years, it has been amazing. Not only has she taken a ton of the like paperwork and emails and negotiation work away from me, which is something that I didn't enjoy at all and also was pretty slow at. um, And she's allowed me to spend more time doing what I like to do, which is the actual content creation Um, and taking the photos and videos and writing the blogs and all of that. And what's also been good to have Raquel is to have somebody like on my team that I can discuss brand partnerships, concepts for campaigns, and really just get, have someone to like bounce ideas off of. And what she's also been able to do is increase my rates. So having someone like her be able to negotiate with brands or agencies as a business, it's more like B2B rather than agencies and brands taking advantage of negotiating with me. And I'm not a great negotiator. I always just like say yes, no matter what they say. And so that's been probably the biggest difference with working with Raquel before when I was not working with her. So we've been able to make a lot more money on the work and I feel now valued for the work that I'm producing and the level of content that I'm creating rather than being taken advantage of by some of these brands and businesses and not really getting what I deserve. So it's been amazing and long to story short, this is a great episode, especially if you are an influencer looking to hire somebody or you don't quite understand what a manager could do for you or you just want to get into the influencer game. So let's jump into it. Here is Raquel. Do you want to just introduce yourself and give us a little background on what you do? 
Yeah, for sure. So uh, my name is Apocalyptitis and I am the co-founder of Carte Blanche Management, um, which is a pretty integrated digital marketing firm. We focus a lot on influencer marketing and on the management side of things for talent. We do a little bit of the uh, the brand side, but we prefer to po- focus on the talent because I think it's such a unique space and, uh, and we really love working with creatives. Awesome. And do you want to share your journey of how you ended up co-founding this company? Like where, what did you take in school? What was kind of like your career path to this point? Yeah. How much time do you have? It's a little, uh, <laughs> a little wild. Um, I have a degree in management from Mount Royal. Graduated back in 2011 now. So that's a while ago. Um, took a traditional job in advertising and I mean, back then when I was graduating school, we were still learning about how to put up billboards as a very big part of your advertising budget. So kind of, I kind of graduated when social media first came online and took kind of a funny road to to getting to where I am. I was working at the government. Then I, I left there and I co-founded a fashion company, again, always being on the on the digital marketing side of things. And while I was working at the fashion company, I realized that we, I was working with a lot of influencers and I found it was really um, like confusing for lack of a better word. And there was, there's no basis, there's no best practices. It was just like, okay, this person wants this and is willing to do that, but this person is willing to do that. Um, so I actually started working for a blogger on the back end, helping her grow her business. Uh, just getting some some tools and some structure in place and really helping her monetize her business. And from there, I realized that there's probably a need for this on a greater scale just because influencer marketing as a whole was so new and there was just an overall lack of education or understanding on the brand as well as the influencers and the talent of, you know, what is acceptable? What is the standard rate of pay? Because we all know that those are all over, like completely all over the place. Somebody might charge $10, the other person will charge a thousand. Um, so yeah, I just kind of organically grew it from there. Took, took on a few at a time. Um, I have built up a nice little roster of creatives that I genuinely believe in their work. I think they're all so talented and I love being part of their, their business and just supporting them in and letting them do what they do best. So basically taking everything um, clerical and admin off of their plate so that they can go and create great content and not have to worry about the back and forth, the negotiations, the contracts, all that kind of stuff. Yes, definitely. And we will get more into how that works because if people don't know, you are my manager and that's how we <laughs> came to this podcast is working together. Um, but for people who don't value influencer marketing or don't quite understand the point of it which I can't imagine how many conversations you have about this what do you say to convince them otherwise like why should brands invest in influencer marketing and pay the money to have these people represent them yeah for sure I mean I get lots of big companies all the time being like but we're gonna give them free products it's like worth a hundred dollars and I think at the end of the day, there's a bit of a misconception that this is still advertising. And so traditional advertising was there's a TV commercial, there's a mailer, there's a billboard, and all of that content costs money. You didn't go to the production company and say, we'll give you this toaster though. We just need you to like build this amazing commercial. And then you have to pay for the airtime. You have to pay to reach an audience. So 
I think the misconception with influencer marketing is that there's a, it's a very crowded market. It's a very competitive market and different people are willing to do different things. So some people just want free stuff and they're just using their platform to get free stuff. And there's other people that actually take it seriously and, and are interested in working closely with the brand to execute their vision, not just get a free sweatshirt or a camera or whatever. So I think that kind of makes the space, um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but it just, it's not consistent. But at the end of the day, if you want to advertise and you want to reach an audience, you have to pay for it. This is just a different method and a different channel of reaching an audience. And it's not free, so. It is not free. (laughs) (laughs) And when would you say, would you say there was like a turning point when you didn't have to have so many conversations about like why people should pay for influencers? Like, do you feel like it's in the last like few years that people have like, brands are slowly starting to understand the power of influencer marketing or do you still feel that we have a long ways to go? Yeah, I think um, company, bigger companies, to be honest, they get it. They know they're not getting anything for free and why should they? They, they value the content and that's the spin I always take is that, look, you're going to have to pay for product photography no matter what you do. That is never going to be free. So at the very least, you should be hiring this, this creator or blogger not only to reach their audience, but also to get some great content. So maybe the post tanks, nobody likes it, nobody swipes up, but at the end of the day, you have five photos that you have the rights to use on your social channels. And that would have cost you a lot of money. Photo shoots cost a lot of money. They're very annoying to put together. So bottom line, you get your content and you move on. Um, The smaller companies I find, they're the ones that, you know, they don't have the budgets obviously, but they, um, they sometimes kind of think that, well, this is new and I want them to try it and get behind it. And if they like it, they'll promote it. I'm like, well, no, they won't because this is a business. And I think that sometimes they just assume that all bloggers do it as a hobby because that's how lots of them started. Um, but the ones that take it seriously and put lots of time and effort into their content won't, won't do it no matter how much they love the product. Totally. And I think it's so funny because like, obviously I get DM'd every single day still about free stuff. Sometimes I say yes. And actually I'm currently being harassed by a local company that I said yes to that I have very many regrets about. Um, But I think they don't realize that like, like, yes, it's your business and you have a great product, but there's a billion other companies that have great products that they think is the best product as well. So just because you love your product doesn't mean, like you said, like I'm trying to run a business on my account. So I don't need to try like 75 drinks, like water, because you said it's the best one. Like I, and usually, which I think is basically how everyone runs their life. I'll go buy the things that I really like because that's what I buy. That's what I use. So having another product come in, yes, it may be free, but there's no tie to it. And there's no guarantee that I need to post about it. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's hard to just as a general rule in my life, I don't like paying people less than what they ask for, because I think at that point, you're really creating a gray area for expectations. So it's like, you know, the brand wants you to do this for free because they think it's great, but you feel like your worth is not being valued and your, what you do is not being valued. And so it just, it kind of creates like a a not good situation between the two uh, because the expectations are not aligned. Whereas 
when there is an actual exchange and you feel like you're being valued for what you're doing, you're probably going to try a lot harder um, than when somebody who's just like, yeah, but it's just really great. And I think you should do it. And you don't really think that it's that great. Um, it's hard. And it builds that relationship. And I think with any business transaction, like having that relationship behind the transaction is always more important and you can have really great business relationships when there's still money involved. It doesn't need to be free product, but how you treat the influencer or like yourself on the influencer side will help create better content for your brand or your product, whether it's free or you're being paid. I feel like having those expectations before you go into it and creating that relationship in a nice, like understanding way is the best way to get the most out of the influencers content and be able to work together again in the future. Totally. And if you really believe like there are the small brands that you just, you want to get behind, you love their values, you love their product and you know, they don't have the budget. And so there's lots of contra campaigns, all of our talent, they do contra campaigns because it brings them value in a different way. Um, but for me, it really bothers me when I, like I caught a campaign the other day, massive company, like massive company in the consumer packaged goods industry. And they're like, yeah, we want you to do two Instagram posts and a story. And we're going to give you um, $25. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Well, I don't think so. You're like this email cost $25. So yeah. 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 <laughs> and I know you represent, obviously I know that represent like the talent and the influencers, but do you still do the influencer campaigns for brands? So working with like on the brand side, putting together that campaign, whether or not you represent the influencers or not, or have you kind of just went to just representing your own influencers? Uh, yeah, so we definitely used to work on the brand side about 50-50, but in 2021, we really just decided to streamline the business and focus on the talent. Um, we don't just manage on like an agent, like, set up we also offer a number of services to our talent if they want it so if they need photography if they need copywriting if they need concepting vision boards all of that and we wanted to be able to focus on that um, managing the brands is great but it is a completely different experience and I think there's a lot of agencies that do exclusively that and they do it very well and so for us we just wanted to become the agency that managed the talent really well and really properly supported them. Right. And do you want to just explain to people what you do? Like for me, for example, yeah. I feel like people get confused about like what an agent is versus what a manager is versus just what you're even doing behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're kind of one of the same with a whole bunch of different names. Um, but essentially I manage everything except for the content creation for you. So instead of you dealing with the brand directly, I deal with the brand directly some people would think it's a bit inefficient. Some brands don't like this at all because they know that they're not going to have as much leverage because they're not talking to the creator. Um, but essentially just acting as that, the business side of things. So a campaign comes to you, you automatically forward it to me. Hey, Rachel, thanks so much for the intro. You know, I'm going to take it from here. Here's how much she charges. Here's what you're going to get. What is the timeline? Working out all the details. And then I come back to you and say, okay, Here's the rate for the campaign. Here's the concept. Here's the due date. Are you interested? Does this rate work for you? And then you just get to go and create the content. Send me the photo. Send me the caption. I have a quick once over. 
send that off to the brand and essentially manage the approval process through that. Um, so that's pretty much in a nutshell. We also manage all the analytics. We send through a full post report to the brand. So I'll get the stats from you and I actually put it into a full report for them because I know a lot of agencies and this came from an internal frustration when we were working on the brand side was like, I, I don't want an email with four of your screenshots. I paid you $2,000 for this. I don't want four screenshots. Like, so we actually put together an eight page deck with all the photos, you know, the highlights of the campaign, um, you know, the highlights of the analytics plus the link to the folder, everything so that the agent, because it's typically an agency that we're working with, they can take that to the brand and be like, okay, here was the campaign with Rachel. It makes you look really good. Um, it makes you look very professional. So essentially that's what we try to do is just bring in an element of professionalism to the whole transaction. And what do you look for when you're going to work with an influencer? So when you're going to bring someone on, what are you looking for? I feel like a lot of people, they don't know, like, do you need like a certain number of followers or do you need to be in like a certain industry or like what is kind of, I don't want to call it criteria, but what is it that you're looking for when either you're approaching an influencer or they approach you to work together? Yeah, definitely. Um, so work ethic is a big one for us because I think sometimes there's a misconception that, oh, I'm just going to hire this agent. They're going to do everything for me, which we do. We do have great relationships with agencies. We're always talking to them, um, you know, finding out what's coming down the pipe with big brands. And we have a lot of repeat business with agencies. And so there's, there's definitely that value of being part of this little family. Cause you know, they work with Rachel and that goes well. Okay. we got this other campaign. That's good for this person. Okay. We're going to come back and we're going to work with Rachel again. Um, so work ethic is very important because if you're not managing your own platform and your own content and taking pride in that, there's not much that we can do for you. And I think also sometimes they think, an influencer might think they don't have to do anything. So we ask, you know, if there's a brand that you want to work with, send them a DM and get an initial contact so that I can reach out and give a warm introduction to get the conversation rolling. So there is definitely an element of teamwork and working together. And if you're not interested in doing that and you just kind of want to like sit back, you're probably not going to get a lot of work because we, it's just, it's a very symbiotic relationship. As far as followers go, it definitely, it really doesn't matter because right now there's brands looking for people with 500,000 and 10,000. And typically for a big campaign, they'll use a little bit of both because they have different benefits. Um, I think it's important to have a, not a necessarily a niche, but something that you're known for, you know, whether it's like, I'm, I'm just like the girl next door and I'm just taking you. I feel like your, your brand is very much like that. Like this is my life. Like, this is my daily life. This is my business poolside. This is my fiance. This is my house. Like it's very much real life. And a lot of people can relate to you. Whereas some people it's food, some people it's fashion, some people it's, it's their families. As long as you have something that people can identify with, if you're trying to be everything, it's very hard to get campaigns because people want to know which sort of um, affinity you're resonating with. Um, yeah, I, I think, and just consistency, you know, like it's hard to pitch somebody for a campaign when they never change their content or they haven't posted in three weeks or, you know, you, you have to take it seriously and take it like a business and then we will work very well together. Right. Yeah. And I think 
um, from my perspective, because people ask me like why I decided to work with you. And when uh, Marissa first, like your business partner first uh, reached out to me, I was like, I don't need a manager. Like that's outrageous. Like, <laughs> you know, like you just are like, I can do this. Like I take photos, yeah. like it's going to be fine. And then I actually ended up, I think it was like two years ago. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was working with a PR company for an alcohol company and it was just terrible. Like she was sending me a thousand emails and I had to reshoot all the content. And I was so annoyed with this girl. I wish she would have been fired. Like that was where I was at. And then I was like, Oh, Raquel could deal with this girl for me. And I wouldn't have to email her. I was like sold. I was like, if you're going to email these people, then that's all I even need. I don't need anything else. And so I think, that for me was the point where I didn't want to spend time doing the negotiation, which you said I was probably being taken advantage of because I'd feel bad because like, they're like, oh, but like, can you please do like an extra photo? And you're like, okay, mm -hmm. sure. Like, it's fine. So from that and then dealing with the emails and I was trying to run poolside and all I wanted to do was really like take the photos for myself and not deal with all like the paperwork and analytics and all of that. So I think that was where it really worked out for us because I am capable of doing all of it, but it's much easier when someone like you, who it's your job and you have all of the tools and make it much more professional are able to come in and just help make the whole thing better. Totally. I think one of the frustrations too, is like when a brand reaches out and, you know, they're waiting two days for a response, like things move very fast. And I think that's one of the benefits to our agency is we're very prompt, you know, like you're not a brand or an agency is not waiting more than 24 hours on the long end to hear back from us. If they're interested in somebody, it's very competitive. I can't imagine doing it any other way because if you're not getting back to somebody, there's literally 500 other people that they could potentially hire. So there's a sense of urgency. And then there's also just the sense of boundaries that like, Hey, no guys, like, sorry, a reshoot was not in the agreement. And it's a lot easier to say that on behalf of somebody than to say it from yourself. Like nobody likes negotiating beyond on behalf of themselves. It's very hard. And yeah, there's an emotional component. You're emotionally connected to your brand. Um, whereas for me, it's just, it's at arm's length. So I'm like, Hey, here's how much it's going to cost. Like, of course, let me know if that's fits with the budget and we'll figure out if we can make something work. Um, but yeah, I think just just the boundaries and, and being able to speak on your behalf and, and kind of be part of a team. Like it's not just you against the brand or you against the agency. It's like, no, 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 we're here to protect Rachel and, and her time and her talents. And another thing that we also do is take care of invoicing, which is I think the bane of most creators. Yes. <laughs> um, everybody's different. One agency will pay you in 15 days via PayPal. The other one's 30 and the other one's 90. And it's a check that's going to come from Switzerland by like <laughs> pigeon and who knows if it's ever going to come. So we actually take on the risk and we float that to our talent. So they get paid right after a campaign, as opposed to having to wait, follow up, chase down people. Cause we all know that's super fun. Yeah. To do. Totally. And it makes it from my perspective, it makes it easier to view it as a real business because mm -hmm. then you are being paid consistent consistently and you can, you know, what's coming up and I can trust you that we're going to have campaigns that are going to happen on time that you're replying to if I'm super busy with other things in my life. So it keeps it going. Cause I think that's the biggest 
challenge with being an influencer and why I would never like do it full time is that it can be very inconsistent and Mm -hmm. you never know when, when you're going to get paid or if you're ever going to get paid or if there's another campaign coming. So I feel like you said having that team together that you can work together to make sure that like, we're both being paid and we're both having a business out of this. Yeah. And I think another thing too, that we've caught just in the last couple of months is like a sneaky exclusivity clause that wasn't mentioned when the rates were negotiated, but then I go through the contract before I send it to you. And I'm like, whoa, 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 no, no. Like you can't just sneak in here. Like can't work with another brand in this category for three months. Like that costs money. You're taking away business. Um, for this person, this is the space she works in. You can't just expect her not to work with another brand because she's doing a campaign with you. Like, this is how much this will cost. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a lot, a lot of things. It is a lot of things. And I know people are going to be listening to this and they're going to be asking themselves, how do you determine my rates? And how do you decide how much some, like a campaign is going to cost? Um, because everyone, especially if they're doing it for themselves, they want to know how much they can charge or like what brands are going to say or how you even like approach that conversation. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a bit tough. There are some benchmarks out there, you know, that's kind of like our own little internal way that we come to rates. First, first things first, it comes to the brand. If we're talking about a small coffee shop in Calgary versus a company like Nike, there's going to be a bit of a fluctuation in rates. That's just the way the world works. Um, But, you know, I think you and I, we established a benchmark for your engagement. I mean, there's a million different formulas that you can go about this with engagement. Some people do clicks. Some brands just come to us with a rate and say, this is how much we're willing to pay. Are you interested? Um, But I think you really have to value the work and the content and, and that's, how you come to a rate. So, I mean, I'm probably not answering the question as far as (laughs) how you come up with a rate, but, you know, I think you have to think of it even just on an hourly basis. Like how much do you want to get paid per hour to do this? How long is it going to take you to shoot? Where are you going? Is this very straightforward or is it not straightforward? Are you driving to the mountains? Is it a, a brand of conflict? Like, you know, are we talking about birth control? Are we talking about beer? Like, all of it kind of comes into play and really it's, it's a negotiation. Like I'll throw a number and say, yeah, let me know if this works. And sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. Most of the time there's a few emails back and forth to settle on something. If there's longevity of the campaign, if it's a one-off, there's so many things that come into play, but it is quite possibly the hardest thing I think about this whole thing as with anything pricing is, is tough. Yeah. It's tricky. Yeah. Always start higher. Exactly. And it's interesting because like there's not all influencers talk to each other. I feel like it's one of those sensitive questions where it's like, how much money do you make? And no one really (laughs) wants to like answer the question. Um, But I have close friends that are influencers and we always talk about if we're doing the same campaign, kind of like what we're all being paid and like what our deliverables are and stuff. And I think um, what I appreciate about working with you especially because you are like a smaller agency. I feel like there's not, I'm not getting lost in like all of the influencers you manage is that Mm -hmm. my campaigns tend to be much more along a same, like consistent basis for how much I would charge normally. Whereas I've 
talk to other influencers that are doing exactly the same campaign with exactly the same deliverables with an agency and they're getting paid like 50% less. And I think that that's an important conversation <laughs> for influencers to have before choosing an agency to work with or a manager about how they value your content or what they're willing to offer to these brands. Because there is a huge difference in the industry still as people are figuring out what the benchmarks are, what they can charge, what brands can get away with. Totally. And it is like, there's definitely some finesse to it. Um, Cause you don't want to offend somebody by being so like, I can't stand it when I get quoted for something. And I'm like, and what is this based on? Like, where, how are you valuing this? So I think still, you know, finding that balance between getting valued for your work, but also like, this is fair market value for this. I just don't want to make $3,000 for this post just because I think I should make $3,000 for it. It's like, well, like if the agency comes back to you or the brand comes back and is like, holy smokes, you're way out to lunch. I don't think we're ever way out to lunch. We're always within a few hundred dollars. And at the end of the day, like the best negotiator usually wins. And some people are better at negotiating than others, which is probably why the rates fluctuate so much. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a, a fun little game. I quite enjoy negotiating. <laughs> well, I'm glad you do because I was the worst negotiator. Like, <laughs> this price, I'm like, yeah. Okay. Oh, exactly. Sounds great. That's Let's do great. it. <laughs> yeah. You never go with the first price. The, the first number that comes in is definitely not. And there's actually uh, a great book by um, Chris Voss on negotiations. And he, like the first number is never final. Oh, you always, always start higher than what you want because it's much easier to negotiate down than negotiate up. Um, yeah. It's, it's fun. Yeah. It's, it's such a funny like business, but yeah. it's good because like you said, it's not personal for you. You can be like, yeah, she wants this much or no, she won't do that. And you can kind of like, we can all like scapegoat each other a little bit, which totally. is great. <laughs> totally. Um, and for somebody who like, there's still lots of people, especially in quarantine, people have lots of time to like either think about a side hustle or have more time to like create content. If they want to either become an influencer or level up their like Instagram or whatever social platform they're on to eventually work with someone like you, what would your advice be for just creating the platform that would work best for you if you were to work with them? Um, well, Instagram is challenging because it keeps changing. And I say this to every person that I talk to about working with us is it can't be your only method and it can't be your only way of of having your brand because it's going to change one day just like Facebook did just like MySpace did and all of those other platforms you have to have something to fall back on so there's no point in just starting a business and building it exclusively on Instagram you don't own any of that content um doesn't belong to you so if it disappeared one day they'd just be like yeah too bad so sad it was really nice knowing you so I always suggest having a blog as well because you own that content, all the content you create goes on it. And in addition, it, it there's longevity. So the brand's links are going to live on there. You know, there's a lot of value in backlinks. It helps SEO. So having, having a space that's your own that isn't controlled by a third party is really important. I think being consistent and, and really honest and just kind of trying and seeing what works. And keep practicing. I mean, everybody starts by reaching out to brands to get free stuff so they can shoot content. That's just how it works. Um, there's just a time when you you have to start, you know, slowly charging as you're getting better and 
and that like, I think comes a little bit organically totally yeah even I look back at photos that I took like even two years ago or three years ago they look so different than the photos that I take now and it is just yeah. like practicing and getting comfortable in front of the camera learning yeah. how to do video because now you have to do that like it's a constant evolution yeah and figuring out your style and what resonates with you and and what feels right but yeah definitely blogs are the key totally well and I still like my blogs that aren't sponsored but blogs that I wrote like three or four years ago they still have like 20 or 30 people a day coming to them just because of like the SEO and like what mm -hmm. they were about and it's bizarre to me but they do live there like where Instagram or any other like social media platform none of that content lives past like the day yeah totally um and I think there's maybe not everybody realizes that there's other revenue streams that can come from a well-performing blog like you get to a certain number of views and you can put ads on there and that's a very nice passive income to you know fuel your your business that isn't um, just campaigns because campaigns are, you're always looking for the next campaign, which can sometimes be frustrating and, and hard to manage cash flow, of course. Totally. Um, a couple more questions before we end this. So you manage a lot of people and I always personally want to know how people stay organized and keep track of everything. So are there like specific tools or resources or things that you do to keep everybody organized organized yeah for sure um so Oliver Talent has their own folder with us in a google drive um we have a few spreadsheets we like spreadsheets over here to keep track of campaigns you know outreach who we've reached out to if they have somebody that they want us to reach out to hey I really want to work with this brand they put it in the spreadsheet and then we can kind of keep track on what's happening with it. If we reached out to them, if we've had a call with them, if we've uh, set up a contract, if it's been confirmed, that's where we also keep track of all our invoicing so that they know how much to invoice us, you know, when it's going to be paid. We also have a folder for each client. So typically that's where the photos will go. And then the client has access to that folder. That's yeah, basically lots of folders and spreadsheets. <laughs> There's also a great tool. Um, I don't use it anymore, but I used to use it a lot called monday.com and it's essentially a project management tool where you can just put all the tasks in there. I quite enjoy that one. And what does like a day, day in the life look like for you? Kind of like walk us through like what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of emails to be honest, a lot of back and forth. So today, for example, I responded to a bunch of emails first thing in the morning, um, there's a few campaigns coming up. I had to send through a few rates. I had to send through um, a post report for another campaign. Then after this, I have a brand call with one of our influencers on a new campaign. She's doing a year long campaign with them. So we're jumping on a call and I always participate whenever there's a call when the brand wants to talk to the talent. I always jump on just to make sure that I'm in the loop because again, it's very hard if you get into that situation where it's like, well, no, like I said this and then no, she didn't say that. And then you, you don't have that third party to be like, well, no, I, I don't think you did say that. Uh, so I always jump on just to make sure that I'm clear on the deliverables. The timelines are very, very important. Um, so we're, we're doing that. And then this afternoon, I'll probably, I'll send through approval for another campaign that we've been waiting on. So I when I get approval from the brand, it'll go through to the talent in just one nice email. 
here's the approved photo, here's the posting date, uh, here's any changes to the caption, and then any notes from the brand, like, you know, don't post between 11 and 1, or there's sometimes some funny little things that they they look for. But yeah, it, honestly, I, I will talk to a brand probably five or six times before we land on an, uh, on an agreement. So it's a lot of emails, contract reviews, I'm hoping to finalize the campaign this afternoon, review that contract, um, maybe review the caption you're going to send me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's, that's pretty much it. That's awesome. And where can people find and connect with you? Learn more about what you do. Yeah. Well, email is the best. Raquel at cartelongemgmt.com. Um, as it goes, not very good at my own Instagram. Very good at <laughs> helping everybody else with theirs as it goes. So we do respond to our DMs there. Um, but our, uh, our content's a bit outdated, if I'm honest. Uh, yeah, that's the best. thanks for having me thanks for listening to this episode of poolside podcast i hope you enjoyed it i hope you learned a lot from raquel about influencer marketing and what she does as a manager if you have any more questions about being an influencer or an influencer manager definitely reach out to either of us via dm and we're happy to answer any questions also i would appreciate if you like and subscribe to poolside podcast leave a review a rating All of it means so much to me and I really appreciate everybody listening. So I will see you in the next episode.